Hello, my geeky, gutsy listeners, and welcome to episode five. Special episode for you today as my good friend Jay Matthew Scruggs stops by and we discuss the neo-western murder mystery Wind River starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen of Marvel fame. One piece of housekeeping before we get into the show, since the taping of our last episode, we have launched as a podcast and I could not be more honored and thankful to the support you guys have shown in your downloads comments and emails thank you so much it really does mean a lot to us if you're enjoying the podcast please take the time to rate review and subscribe it does help get our name out there and get more people interested in the show also feel free to stop by our facebook page drop a comment and see the latest news on the show lastly make sure you tell your friends and family about the show word of mouth can be a big help in getting us a second wave of subscribers and keeping this train moving and now on with the show. So, thanks for doing this, number one. Very, very excited. You, uh, I always leave it up to the guests to pick the movie. You, uh, presented me with three options. Um, what, what it, so it was, it was Wind River, which is the one we picked. What were the yeah. other two? Hell or High Water. And then the, uh, 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 damn it. What's the other one? I don't even, I don't even know. Oh, uh, uh, Sicario. No, no, I know why you said that, but no. Hell or High Water, Wind River, or, oh, uh, Hereditary. Hereditary. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious <laughs> as to what, why, what prompted the three choices? All right, so Hell or High Water or Wind River, I knew you were going to go with. Well, I, I thought, okay, maybe who asked me this question on the front end. Are we, are we rolling right now? Yeah, absolutely. We're recording, Oops. man. My bad. I didn't mean to get so deep on my, my personal content. No, 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 no. You're fine. I'll cut all that out. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, So uh, those two movies, Taylor Sheridan, right? Right. Screenwriter, director, kind of the, I don't know, really the linchpin for these films coming about. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so huge fan of his now. But So, so he did he did three movies altogether and in, in were loosely... A series, I would say, same same general idea and principle behind the movies. I don't think there's any of the same characters, but yeah. the third one is the Sicario, which yeah. you did not pick. Yeah, I should have. I should have just done the trifecta, so you had to then land on one of these. <laughs> but Sicario, I feel like, is outplayed. It's kind of overplayed from a, uh, I don't know, whatever whatever you're doing here, the podcast, right? Sicario was ripped apart from all you know facets of uh movie production definitely the most popular of the three though Mm -hmm. but instead of picking sicario you picked um the the two right hell or high water huge fan ben foster's in that i i don't know how you feel about him as an actor but uh i think he typically plays the same role but again taylor sheridan and obviously did a little research not just for this but I fell in love with those movies, right? So they're what would be considered, I guess, a modern-day Western. Right. So, you know, it just so happened, right? Like, we're watching, we watched Sicario, like, Megan and I 
generally liked it. Like, you know, I obviously as a man, I'm like, yes, pretty sick movie. I think we talked more about John Krasinski and the fact that what's her name is John Krasinski's wife. And right. Yeah. yeah. Emily, uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Emily Blunt. So plays in a hodgepodge of characters throughout her movies. And we talked about her accent, but then I was like, man, this movie's really good. And then weeks later we watched, like I bought it because it was like one of those Apple movies, not, you know, maybe 1099, 999, hell or high water. And I'm like, this has a really good cast, you know, um, Chris Pine, uh, Ben Foster. Um, who's the guy from, uh, the movie Alec and I made you watch, uh, the white <laughs> ball, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Jeff Bridges uh, from the dude, obviously. I mean, he's what, yeah. Big he's about, a- but so we watched that and again, modern day, uh, Western, maybe that's why I loved it. Maybe I loved it just because of the, the general notion of, like simple problem set and these four characters kind of revolving around each other. But now we're talking about a movie that I did not pick, but either way, Megan's like, Hey, that's the dude that wrote Sicario, like Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario. And I was like, Taylor Sheridan, I know that name. Sons of Anarchy. Right. And then I started connecting dots. Ultimately this dude's uncles were like U S marshals and deputy marshals. And that's where he gets, I think he draws a lot of. So, so you you think Sicario is the weaker of the three? Is that is that what I'm picking up on? No, I I I don't. Um, I just think collectively, both Heller, High Water, and then Wind River, he had a lot more to tell in those stories. Right? Sicario seemed like kind of a contrived plot uh, that was more of a, a fan getter. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't even think he probably thought it was going to do as well as it did. It it had good, it had a good turnout, I think with just general audience as opposed to his other two movies had, uh, individual, you know, I'm smacking my, my lips. <laughs> Not good for this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he had, I think he had a little more story to tell. And so it plays out better as a screenwriter, right? he, I think he delivers the story better in wind river. I don't know. What did you think? You, you haven't said it. So, yet. so it's funny that you picked uh, Hell or High Water or Wind River because these are uh, Hell or High Water. I have seen before. Um, I do like all the actors in that movie. Uh, it was recommended to me. I forgot who who recommended it, but I, I ended up watching it and I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Sicario, I have not seen. Um, I picked Wind River out of your options only because knowing nothing about it, the description describes it as a noir detective murder mystery type movie. And that is, that is my go-to genre. I love that genre. Although I do think it's very hard for somebody to pull that off successfully. Um, So I, I picked this for that reason. I didn't, I didn't hate the movie. Um, My, my opinion when it comes to movies are, are usually very extreme or dead in the center. Um, so I have movies that I hate, movies that I love, and then movies that I'm kind of indifferent about. And I think this kind of lands in that indifferent, you know, area. And the reason for that is because it when I think noir, I think um Sherlock Holmes struggling to solve the case. You're looking for clues and piecing things together and then having this aha moment and then figuring it out. And then you have this long explanation at the end where they tell you, you know, this is what I came up with out of all the clues. This movie, although very good, 
there really was no mystery behind it. Um, and, and we'll go through it and kind of where in the movie it fell off for me, but essentially you have a character discovers a body goes to the logical, you know, where'd the body come from? Finds another body. Okay. Well, where'd that body come from? The killer, the end. I mean, it was, there was no, it was kind of a direct path and no deviation. And well, I agree with you. It's definitely a modern Western, just like hell or high water. And it's, it's got a, a subplot that I think was very rich and very, um, a story that needed to be told um, with the whole Native American aspect of it. The the reason for me watching the noir aspect just wasn't there for me, and that's kind of where it fell off. Mm. I, so I think I think murder mystery, right? Uh, I mean, you're hitting it, hitting the the nail on the head. But the murder mystery, really, consider this, right? Is yeah, the pieces kind of fit, I guess, for the film. Kind of seemed like it was linear and very direct from point A to point B, or I guess point Z in this case, right? They got to the end state very quickly. But, I mean, if you really consider it, uh, and you, you hit the subplot uh, nuance of him having a daughter who right. passed away in some similar fashion, right? Like, uh, due to the Native American existence and maybe the the actual attention that they get from investigative policing and detective. Right. right? So I think that was in itself. And I'm assuming Taylor uh, Sheridan had that uh, intent or purpose, right? Is they were trying, that's what you're trying to discover as a viewer, that mystery, like really is that dot or those dots ever going to be connected for you? Or are you just going to kind of keep crawling towards that subplot as this, you know, as the main plot is developing. So I thought uh, I, I thought the same thing, kind of like oh, like great, generally pretty good actors, right? Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, they've reassembled or maybe <laughs> assembled, right? I, I, um, I don't think the Avengers were involved in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jeremy Renner is the is one of the two main stars in the movie. Um, interesting enough, Jeremy Renner was actually he he wrote the movie for Jeremy Renner. He always had intended to cast Jeremy Renner. Um, at the time the movie was casting, however, he was tied up with um, the Avengers movies. I want to say it was the first Avengers movie that he was tied up in. Um, anyway, uh, they start doing some other casting. They get um, the co-star there, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, who I'm a fan of, um, both for her acting style, and I just think she's an awesome person. Uh, she gets cast for the movie long before, about a year before the shooting starts. She's been in two Avengers movies at this point. Um, and Jeremy Renner's schedule opens up a month before filming. He hops on. The The actor that they cast originally ended up, ended up backing out. Mm -hmm. And it starts off with him shooting a coyote. He is in full winter camouflage in the middle of a field and he is pegging off a coyote like like he's shooting an enemy you know uh in in the field it's the reason i i love this movie immediately yeah i mean yeah you you immediately get the vibe from him but first first before we even see him i want to point out one thing that i actually wrote down that i love we have a very classic title card 
for this movie. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't think enough movies do that nowadays. A lot of your 90s movies did it, and for some reason it became less popular. But you have a very, you know, he's walking across the, the snow. You know, Wind River comes up, title of the movie. I love that. Oh, yeah. um, a good delivery. Yeah. So you, you find out that he is a, he works for Fish and Wildlife, and he works on the reservation basically getting rid of the predators, shooting coyotes. Um, there's a subplot in the movie where uh, he's hired to, to kill a mountain lion or a mountain lion family, um, which I really don't, I don't understand that subplot a little bit. I mean, I guess the, the parent cub thing, like it keeps coming back to the whole parent child relationship throughout the movie. Maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. Just the idea of Hunter. Yeah. I honestly, I, I... So I think I've seen this movie three or four times uh, because it was on Netflix, right? So mm-hmm. that was another reason I, I liked this movie uh, when Megan and I started talking about it uh, uh, is because I was like, whoa, was this even in theaters? You know, like, did this come out in theaters? And it did. I, mm-hmm. I Like, I did not know that. Uh, but the same thing, right? Um, one, of the, one of the things is someone was telling me about this movie. Hey, it's on Netflix now. You can actually watch it on Netflix. I was like, well, I'm game immediately. And they were like, oh, yeah, they shot this movie. And uh, basically from start to finish because of the confined window for Jeremy Renner and um, in like 40 days, they did yeah. all the footage. Sorry, I'm I'm not going along with you on this journey. No, no, no you're fine. This is, <laughs> this is perfect. Uh, so it, it's, it, it goes to Sundance first. It's yeah. released in Sundance in January 2017, comes out to uh, worldwide audiences August 2017. Uh, and then obviously goes on to France and, and Europe and UK and stuff. Um, yeah, they shot it in 40 days. Which is just crazy to me. Is that? I mean, that's not typical, right? No, I mean, a typical film shoot, um, 40 days is definitely the faster end. Um, most movies are going to be wrapped up in probably four to six months. Yeah. With it occasionally, you got movies like you know Lord of the Rings that shot for like two years. But they also shot all three movies at once. So that yeah. had a lot to do with it. Like obviously changes in geography, changes in uh, you know where they're setting this up. Um, I I believe they actually shot this in either Utah or Nevada, and not in Wyoming. Yeah. So I, I can't remember because he's based most of his movies out of those areas. But yeah. So again, right. Um, but like you said, Jeremy Renner meant for this part, and then obviously at the at the onset of the movie, um, I, I you know I don't know where the I guess the appeal factor is for different people, but I, I think, you know, for, for me, it's like, Hey, Jeremy Renner is a phenomenal actor. He portrayed, even though I would say most of his roles are pretty, pretty similar to Denzel Washington in a sense, right? Like, Hey, Denzel's meant to play this. They, they read this character knowing Denzel. I feel like a lot of characters, not uh, un- unbeknownst to the, uh, to the, uh, the, you know, the writers are they're portraying an individual that Jeremy Renner just puts on screen. Right. So, uh, even though he was definitely meant for this role, it just the whole time I'm like, oh, I'm watching Jeremy Renner. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's to me, that's not a not a positive. You know, I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner portrays um, the same guy's guy, manly, tough uh, kind of portrayal in a lot of his in a lot of his roles. And that's that's an issue to me. I think having an actor have these subtle nuances that are different in each character is a way of getting them to stand out and have separate performances. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue with somebody like Jeremy Renner, very good 
very good at the character he portrays, but you're going to find out over the course of his career, especially post-Marvel, that he's going to be typecasted pretty heavily into these same roles because this is what he plays. Um, but so so he he kills a coyote. He takes the, the carcass uh, into town. Um, you, again, he, he makes a brief comment that he works for Fish and Wildlife. It's not brought up very very often. In the movie, he, he tells everybody he's a hunter or um, he's a um, predator. I think he says that a couple of times. Uh, he goes to pick up his son, drives his son onto the res, uh, and you find out that he's no longer with the mother. He's dropping the son off at the grandfather's house, right? Grandfather's on the, on the res? Yep. One of the other things I wanted to point out is during the drive on the res, they, he does this flash to the American flag, which is being flown upside down, which we know, um, and I, I think most people know, that that is a sign of distress, um, that you're under attack or at war on a base. Mm-hmm. So the res is portraying that they are in a, in a bad situation. So he goes on to the res um, where he is told about the mountain lion to track the mountain lion down. He hops on his snowmobile, drives out to do some tracking, comes across a dead body. Am, am I missing anything important so far? No, no. I mean, I, again, I, I guess me watching this three or four times and and uh, and going back through it uh and not really recently either so i mean i i don't know if i did my my justice to you uh but uh you know i was like no i've seen this movie enough and uh i read about it so i you know i wanted to watch it again but i also didn't want to take away from the fact of like hey i picked you know i picked this movie as one of the movies for a reason it's because where you say hey maybe it's not uh uh, by by any means a bad movie, but it's kind of middle of the road for you. For me, right? So it was the little things. It was, it was the nuanced kind of uh, protector's mentality that uh, his character projected and the way he packed things up, the way he, way he was very pragmatic with his preparation to get on the snowmobile. You know, so you, those you, things... You're 100% right. I mean, that, that to me is what makes it a middle of the road movie and not a bad movie, yeah. is that his... His character definitely has these moments um, where you could tell he's taking a lot of preparation in in the execution. I mean, and not just in what he physically does when it comes to, you know, uh, getting on the snowmobiles and packing up his weapons and, and dressing for the occasions and stuff like that. But in just his comments to uh, Elizabeth Olsen's characters. So so he we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. He, he finds the body. Um, the body is essentially in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he calls uh, the FBI uh, because based the, the reservation itself does have police, but uh, they make a comment in the movie, the reservation, and this is an actual reservation. The The Wind River Reservation does truly exist. Um, it's about the same size as Rhode Island, and they have a total of six police um, in the entire reservation. So when matters like this happen, um, when I say matters like this, murder or something to an escalated level, um, they don't call local or state authorities. They call the FBI because the FBI is the only uh, branch that has jurisdiction on the reservation. Mm-hmm. So they call the FBI to come investigate the body. Um, and this is where Elizabeth Olsen shows up. She shows up by herself. She is relatively new to the FBI. Um, this isn't like her stereotypical first case and, you know, she's fresh out of school or anything like that, but she's definitely green behind the ears, which they showed, right? Same thing. Uh, they get a, they did a good 
kind of opposite uh, uh, personality, right? So she was not prepared for. You think most people look at the weather, kind of consider the subarctic <laughs> temperatures, uh, you know, essentially, right? Like I could be exaggerating a bit, but did not even consider like, oh, I, I'm going to need legitimate tundra type gear here. She, right. She goes up. Like, she shows up with the jacket on. She has a winter jacket on, yeah. um, but but essentially nothing else. I mean, she doesn't have gloves, hat. She doesn't even have boots, I don't think. Um, and and you're, you bring up a great point. They do play opposite type personalities. What I like about her character is they didn't pull the stereotypical green or um, I'm a rookie and I don't know anything. I need somebody to show like Her character is is fresh to the job, but you also get the sense that she's trying. She oh, yeah. wants to learn. She wants help. Um, and, and she's corrected a couple of times as far as, you know, get the right gear on. You're traveling out to the middle of, of the winter forest blizzard. You got to wear the right gear. So she does. Her and Jeremy Renner go out to the body. And it's at this point where Jeremy Renner, he, he presents himself, tells her what he does. And she says, you know, I'm going to need your help. You, know, you obviously know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. He makes a couple comments about tracks and, and you know, it's where she came from. He knows the area. So, so Elizabeth Olsen's character says, help me out, help me track down you know, what's going on here. They, they get back to the morgue and they have this confrontation with the um, coroner who wants to rule the death on is it not natural causes? He, he want he, he's saying basically that she died because of exposure. Yeah, she died because of exposure and not because you know somehow she was forced into the into the elements, right? So right, it automatically rules out murder, which prevents ultimately additional FBI uh, agents or FBI assets and resources, right? Right. Yeah, she makes the comment that if it's not a murder, the FBI doesn't have jurisdiction and she's going to be called away from the case. And the coroner says, listen, I can't put murder as the cause of death, but some like there, she's not out running barefoot in the snow, uh, uh, presumably, I think it was like six miles or three miles, mm-hmm. um, you know, because she wants to like this. This clearly she was murdered. That just wasn't the cause of the death there, yeah know? there was some kind of uh yeah uh malicious involvement or uh with he was definitely making the inference uh the uh, you know that uh, that there was something that happened obviously but again right i, th- I thought that was a a pretty critical moment in the movie to really establish what sheridan's trying to say right that again this is another situation where the reservation the you know the res and the, the people that live there aren't treated as equals they're not given the same value on life uh, right. which is another reason i mean not to get too heavy into it but i um you know i was kind of hoping you'd pick this movie because it's it's kind of very uh very you know very significant considering our current societal and civil unrest and people placing certain values on uh, of lives right so i thought i don't know man i yes there were some simple point a to point b plot developments but again right that was a i think that was a critical moment in the movie and for the most part, captured well um, to start laying up, right? Like he's delivering this message slowly initially, right? Of, All right, you're already seeing, you know, it's because of the austere terrain and the environment and, you know, what is really the promise of this res and the land and the people, but then they get there and they they're, they have minimal footprint from law enforcement. They have mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, obviously seeking the help of the FBI, even though, I, you know, Jeremy Renner and, uh, and the, um, uh, who was who was one of the uh, characters he had consulted with? I can't, I can't even remember. Billy. The, so there's a, there's another um, actor. His name is Graham Greene. He plays the sheriff on the res. Yep. He's one of these actors. If, if anybody gets a chance, look him up. He's been in a ton of movies, Dances with Wolves, Green Mile, um, half a dozen TV shows. He's the type of actor that everybody has seen you're going to know him as soon as you see him but you're not going to know him by name he's been in a million things he's just not the star in anything yeah so you know to me him collectively and jeremy renner their their discussions their talks about uh and kind of looking at uh at her when she initially stepped out of the vehicle and they knew that what they were dealing with right they knew they were dealing with somebody who wasn't prepared but they weren't they weren't prepared for the amount of fight or, um, you know, the actual intent that she had to serve the job and then and, and to do the job well. So I think you started seeing that with her frustrations mounting, obviously talking, uh, you know, while they were at the morgue and uh, kind of discussing that. So, yeah, and I agree. I mean, this this is the subplot that we were talking about earlier. And I think this subplot is what saves the movie. Um, uh, it's the idea that they're highlighting that not only do these injustices exist um, for the native Americans and life on the res, but there's almost an acceptance among the people. I mean, when only one FBI agent shows up when she's clearly, uh, you know, green um, when they're fighting to, to even get recognition and get more help from the FBI, there seems to be this kind of acceptance by the sheriff and by Jeremy Renner's character of like, yeah, this is, this is standard. This is not something that we're new to. Um, we don't like it, but what are we going to do type type attitude? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they immediately go to the family of the victim. Um, they have this scene where they're interviewing the father. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character tends to be a little more forceful, kind of wants to know, you know, where was she? Why? He says uh, she was out with her boyfriend. Have you ever met the boyfriend? No, I never met the boyfriend. They've been dating for a while, though. Well, how, how did you not meet? Well, she's 18. She's an adult. She's going to do what she wants. They have sort of a confrontational conversation. Jeremy Renner clearly knows the gentleman, um, assumably assuming they're friends. Um, and this is also where we start getting peppered in some comments about Jeremy Renner's daughter. Um, they're not very upfront in the beginning with what happened, but you can clearly recognize that something happened to the daughter. She's not around anymore. That might've been what spurred the divorce and that he shares some emotional connection with what the father is going through with the loss of the daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that, that was an interesting thing. Um, the father, Gil, uh, Birmingham, right. Um, mm-hmm. he's in hell or high water, right. So mm-hmm. again, and I, again, another one of those actors that's been in a ton of things. Um, but you probably wouldn't recognize him by name. Yeah. So play plays, plays a pretty good role. Uh, obviously uh, a lot of the roles he plays are very similar. Um, but not to take away from what, uh, what he does, right. Like he's, he's a very good on screen actor. I think he, quickly embodies a character that people can latch onto and kind of connect with. And, and it did the same to, you know, for me this time, right. I see him, I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I recognize the actor, but ultimately quickly allows the plot to develop with 
not a lot of, uh, you know, obviously not a lot of dialogue, but you already know, okay, the dad and, and how he perceives this and the fact that, yeah, obviously this is, you know, destroying him inside, but he realizes, that, you know, how he's got to be strong for the wife who's really the one that's going to take this, uh, you know, that being notified of the death of their daughter, right? And how, how badly it affects them. So, yeah, so this is a really weird scene that I didn't, this is one one of the scenes in the movie that I didn't really understand why it was put in there uh, the way it was. So, so he has the confrontation with Elizabeth Olsen, and Elizabeth, um, her character says, "I'd like to speak to the mom." Basically, saying, I'm, "You're not giving me any information. I want to talk to the mom. Something's weird here." And he says, "By all means, she's in the bedroom. Go go in." And she goes in. She she pokes her head in. The mom is in there, obviously crying, bawling her eyes out, but also cutting her arm pretty mm-hmm. severely. I mean, there's some some decent amount of blood here. And Elizabeth Olsen's character closes the door and then just kind of like, all right, clearly I'm not going to be talking to the mom. So, <clears throat> one, I don't understand what's the point in making the mother. Because it, 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 at this point, the mom is not in the rest of the movie. There's not. A, there's no other scenes with the mother at all. There's mm-hmm. no other reference to her cutting herself. Elizabeth Olsen doesn't even come out and tell the rest of the group, like, hey, she's in there hurting herself. There's no reference to this whatsoever. And then as an FBI agent, she doesn't attempt to, like, stop her at all. So this is one of those scenes where I'm like, I don't. I don't understand. Like, is, this must just be another attempt to show how bad life is for these people, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I see. I, I think I took these, these little, uh, small, I don't know. I, there, cause there's several of them in this movie, like little anecdotal situations where you're like, I, I, I treat it just like a person who's watching a movie, right? Like, well, I'm not supposed to know what's going on. There's <laughs> supposed to add or layer in a drop, like dramatic effect, right? Like this woman is cutting herself. I'm assuming that's her way of coping with pain, right? People take drugs, drink alcohol. Sure. This lady's a cutter, right? Like, and I'm not, you know, by no means am I like, uh, you know, saying that that should be taken lightly. But I, I think that's what Elizabeth Olsen realizes is like, whoa, this is beyond my triage. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am not, I am not a professional to this degree. Right. Uh, I'm going to go back to the to the dad who was giving me kind of the uh, the you know the stone wall effect and and just see if I can break that down a little bit. Like, I mean, because I from what I remember, she walks in with you know, crazy Elizabeth Olsen eyes afterwards. <laughs> back to right. Like, are you aware of what's going on? Your pillows and your wife's arms are getting shredded right now. And uh, so I, I, it's yeah, definitely I was, an odd scene. Yeah, definitely the same. I mean, I guess the same way, but like at the end of the day, it got the point across to me, like, okay, um, she is not going to deal with this well. And, and the family is obviously devastated. Right. So I, I go back to, and that's why like, I don't know, man, this guy, this guy's got a simple way of telling stories, but still getting a point across really quickly. I think, I think you're right though. Maybe it leaves some to be desired, like for a more developed plot, but it also allows him to say, Hey, within two hours, I'm going to get you from like start of murder mystery right? uh, and, and Oh, by the way, I'm going to show you glimpses of what's just happening in chaotic real life. Right. Like, so that's, I don't know. I mean, and he, you know, Again, I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead because I'm already bad at that. But uh, no, I, I think that was a necessary part, and I think 
she could have been doing a lot though. I mean, she could have been bumping lines of blow, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like I mean, that something to show she is in a bad state. Uh, so he went with that. Yeah. I don't know exactly why I, that's not something I'm worried, you know, that we're Googling, like why Taylor Sheridan exercised this specific option. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think for the most part, it, it got the point across. Right. So yeah, if I have it. So, so then while, while Elizabeth Olsen is going to check on the mom, um, Jeremy Renner character and the father have this conversation where again, they acknowledge their connection with the daughters. Um, it, you, he, the father also tells Jeremy Renner, if you find him, if you find whoever did this, you kill him. And basically, I mean, he says something along the lines of, um, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't bring him back or, or don't save him or I don't know, something along those lines, mm-hmm. but, um, you, you get to the point across. So obviously the next logical step, let's go check out the boyfriend. Let's find out who the boyfriend is. Maybe the brother, maybe she's got a brother. Maybe the brother knows who the boyfriend is. So the brother is a junkie. Um, they, they go to some random, uh, trailer, it was a meth like trailer. meth, meth trailer. Yeah. They show up. Um, the brother shows up to the door, or not the brother. Another another kid opens the door and proceeds to have the conversation with the sheriff, basically saying, "You, you it's implied that this guy has been in and out of um, the judicial system. He's been arrested a few times. He's obviously high right now. Where's the brother? Oh, I don't know. He's not here." Oh, by the way, my parole officer told me to give you something, and he pulls out a can of like pepper spray or, or mace, and and maces them all. Um, face full. No, excuse me. Me, me backtrack. Jeremy Renner's character is not there at the door. He goes with them to the trailer, but follows some tracks around the back of the trailer. Uh, snowmobile tracks, I believe. Um, Elizabeth Olsen and the sheriff get pepper sprayed. Uh, at this point, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, face full of pepper spray, eyes burning, decides to draw her weapon and then enter the trailer because that seems like the most logical thing to do rather than just wait for the effects to go away. Um, the two guys, two, two of the three guys in the trailer come running out of the back. Jeremy Renner clubs them with a shovel um, and, and incapacitates them. While the third guy, the one who did the pepper spraying, decides to pull a gun on Elizabeth Olsen, who proceeds to light him up. I think uh, she shoots him like, I don't know, it's like 73 times Ooh. in the chest and torso. Yeah, she yeah she uh, she went range training on him. Uh, I, I, I guess the pepper spray and everything that she had going on, she was she knew in her head. I think at that point she was going to be able to say, "Hey, I I was to the point of no recollection of shots fired, and uh, and oh by the way, if I'm ever going to get away with an accidental shooting, this is it, right?" So, yeah, which I mean to be clear, she's within her right. He he pulls a weapon and aims it at her. He's already shown that he's been violent towards law enforcement, you know, moments ago. Mm-hmm. So I think she's well within her right to to shoot him. Um, he dies. They go to the brother who's outside at this point in handcuffs and proceeds to kind of interrogate him. Uh, he provides not much information other than the guy's name, um, and then is obviously upset that his his sister died. Jeremy Renner then proceeds to point out to Elizabeth Olsen these tracks, these snowmobile tracks, and kind of shows where they are heading into the distance 
and that there's something up there that we should investigate. And with the storm coming in, we should do it now. And Elizabeth Olsen's like, no, I want to check out where the uh, boyfriend is. We have um, some information on him. He was working as a security guard um, for the local like oil company. Something along those lines. I forgot it. I don't remember if it was an oil company specifically. Yeah. I think there was a point to that there, right? Like the, the yeah, it was a, a uh, yeah, it was a oil company or a uh, uh, yeah, an oil uh, pursuit company, right? Like um, long-term oil pipeline investment and right, uh, and they knew, right? I think it's uh, that's really where I get hooked. Um, so I, I won't give away your next unfold of no, no, you're fine by all means. But uh, you know, I mean, that's think about it. Like okay. This this property has been basically probably bought up for pennies, and now, because again, right, they don't really get into it, and I thought they would have, but to show uh, the injustice, right, of land uh, accusation, uh, accusation, uh, land accrual or acquisition, uh, land, yeah, land acquisition and procurement, and here, you know, now there's probably a huge, uh, a huge amount of oil and natural resources that they're going to be able to kind of pull from pull from the land so i think that said something too right they've got this uh uh internal security unit i don't even know i can't remember what they were called but they had some kind of patches you know like mm-hmm. literally security guards like post former uh four years in the marine corps just they think they're <laughs> they think they're hot shots with guns right and to and to maybe some degree they are but it just seemed like the type of gig an 0311 gets out and <laughs> And he's like, oh, sweet, I got a job in Colorado or Wyoming or somewhere. Yeah, so so Elizabeth Olsen rallies together the res police officers, all six of them, mm-hmm. and decide they're going to go to this security area. Because um, essentially these these guys are are not Native Americans. They're pulled in by the oil company to work as security. Um, they, they live there. There's trailers set up. They live there and they guard the installation. Um, meanwhile, uh, Jeremy Renner is going to go check out these snowmobile tracks. So you kind of have this side-by-side storyline happening for about uh, 15 minutes or so. Jeremy Renner uh, side, he comes across the snowmobile tracks, uh, gets to the end where he can't go any further, hops off, grabs his rifle, um, and he comes across the mountain lion and the two cubs. Um, but also comes across the body of the boyfriend. Um, now, while this is happening, Elizabeth Olsen's character and the um, res police are talking to a couple of security guards. Um, there's about there's a, an equal number on both sides. There's about six or so security guards and about six or so uh, res police officers. And they have this kind of pissing match as to who has the authority here because... Technically, it's not res land. It's been purchased. Um, so they're going to do them a favor by allowing them on to check out the uh, trailers where the boyfriend was living. Um, but at one point, the attention escalates to the, to the point where everybody pulls their weapons. The, the securities, the res police, the, everybody pulls their weapon. Um, they have this pissing match again. Elizabeth Olsen says, I'm FBI. I, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest dick here. I have so, this jurisdiction. I have the right. override, you know, overarching jurisdiction. Everyone stand the hell down. But uh, right. <laughs> so, so they do at that point. Everybody lowers a weapon. Um, now, at this point, we go back to Jeremy Renner, 
who has tracked the snowmobile tracks to the same place that Elizabeth Olsen is. Essentially north side of there, right? Uh, yeah. Somewhere, it, it, not too far north, but, you know, uh, literally north up the, the mountainside, if you will, and then it, it lying uh, beyond the, the trailers and everywhere where the... Uh, yeah, he's essentially in the tree line, um, literally above, like in the mountainous area um, behind the trailers, and he's watching Elizabeth Olsen and the res police go to the trailer, um, at which point she knocks on the door, and we have this flashback and the flashback is the uh the woman the original body that was found i forgot her name mm-hmm. the daughter the daughter uh, yep. which which reminds me before i go into the flashback there's a whole scene that we, that we just totally glanced over where elizabeth olsen and jeremy renner are at jeremy renner's place and they they have this this conversation where he tells her about his daughter and what happened to her Mm -hmm. Um, while he's making his own rounds right he's he's (laughs) making his own ammunition and he proceeds to tell her that that basically the daughter had a party while they were out of town um some some friends showed up a few friends turned into a lot of friends and some people that didn't like her and basically she disappeared Mm -hmm. and he was never able to find her or find out what happened to her now. So it's at this point where I'm expecting him solving this case to simultaneously solve the daughter case. Um, so that was a, a big disappointment for me when, when these two did not come together. He's going to solve his daughter's case as well, but I'm thinking, no, by solving this, he finds some level of closure in general, right? Like that's why he says he makes, he, he alludes to being a hunter. He alludes to being, you know, to some degree, a tracker, he hunts people, right? Multiple quotes in that movie, I thought were like, you know, they gave me rock hard for uh, Jeremy Renner. Cause I was just like, man, this guy is super manly, right? He's like, that's what I do. I'm a hunter. Yeah. You know? And then basically promises the dad in a very, you know, stoic man type way, right? Like he's like, oh, if you find them, take care of them. And he's like, what do you think I'm doing, Martin? You know, like uh, talking about the, the, the daughter. Vet Comics is the publishing branch of Don'tForgetATowel.com, the only place to travel geekly. Focusing on creator-owned and independent titles like Hollowed, Pursuit of Plastic, and Fairy, and many more. DFAT Comics will be a mix of genres appealing to every kind of reader. Join the new source of comic book entertainment with DFAT Comics. Huge part of the movie, right, for him to finally unfold and kind of give... Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's character, that backstory of why he is essentially everything it looked like Jeremy Renner's doing in that movie was a, a chess move for an outdoorsman, right? Like everything yeah. deliberate, methodical. Uh, and so he provided, you know, he provided that though really quickly to, to Elizabeth Olsen's character. So I, I wrote that down. I wrote Jeremy Renner, badass. He plays a badass in this movie. He really does. He, he is. <laughs> him and the subplot are really the redeeming qualities of this movie i think yeah um so yeah so we have action scenes i don't want to cut you off but the action scenes were kind of a although the last one right the culminating we we're about to get to it <laughs> but the one at the trailer it's kind of 
I, I don't know if that's how he views action. I don't know if that's how they just like, oh, it's this is really what it looks like, you know, like some blind shots, you know, from her uh, her issued sidearm. I think he had a shotgun, the dude that was mm-hmm. you know, yeah, attempting to uh, take her out. Right. Like it just looked very it was almost too uh, too unrefined to where it takes away from. Uh, you know that, but I guess he kind of redeemed himself with this last bit. But even that is—it's short-lived, and and you're about to to describe it, and we'll. we'll yeah, see. I mean, there isn't there isn't much action in the movie when it comes to you know there, there's no explosions. There is a few gunfights, um, but they're they're very quick, and and uh, there's not much to them. I think that does keep a level of realism to the the action. Um, but on the same token, it, it does kind of leave you. I, I think there was a, a lot of more potential for Jeremy Renner's character to be that much more badass um, if he was given the opportunity to. Um, so we had the flashback. So she knocks on the trailer door um, where the roommate is supposedly inside because they want to they want to look inside. They want to talk to the roommate and they have this flashback. The flashback is the daughter knocking on the same trailer door. The door opens. Um, it's the boyfriend. Uh, played by uh, John Bernthal. Plays Matt. Now it's all coming back to me. Matt and Natalie. That's yep. your couple, right? That's your same, dynamic. Same couple. actor from Walking Dead. Plays the Punisher. Phenomenal job in the Punisher. Do you have you watched that? Uh, yeah. I I think we I think I closed it out because obviously Daredevil and that yeah were, were two were were two good ones. I, I thought Netflix did uh, really well, but yeah, the Punisher very good. Um, I like how they adapted it for kind of a modern war era and everything so uh but yeah bernthal um again kind of an, a surprise i don't know surprise character right like yeah i was not expecting him to be in this movie at all you alluded to the flashback now think about it knock on the door flashback right right like it her knock then initiates this flashback to how uh to allow us to understand uh natalie the uh the dead girl right the girl found at the beginning of the movie and Bernthal's character, how their relationship was, you know, existed, right? So yeah, so so they don't they don't go into much detail as to what started the relationship, but uh, clearly they are boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, so she knocks on the door, he answers, he pulls her in. Um, they have this conversation, quick conversation, where she he basically says, "Yeah, the rest of the guys are out, um, you know, drinking or hanging out. I didn't go. I wanted to hang out with you, or, or she surprised him or something." Um, they quickly go to coitus. Love that word, coitus. Solid plug there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they then are laying in bed together and they're sharing this moment of like, oh, you know, when I get done with this, we should move to this place, and I want to move to this place. And they had this, you know, sweet, oh, we love each other so much, and that is quickly interrupted by the guys coming back. So this is where I feel like the ending was kind of wrote in. So we are to believe now that these guys that he works with, presumably friends with, they show up drunk. Um, they proceed to start kind of harassing him and his girlfriend. Um, you know, whoa, what were you guys doing in here? You know, it kind of starts off kind of, you know, childish as, as most of us military guys are. You know, what were you guys doing? huh? And then his roommate starts taking it a little too far trying to to see his girlfriend you know you always walk around here in these short short shorts and i want to want to get me a peek and blah blah he's not going to stand for that obviously so you know yelling 
escalates to pushing, shoving, and before you know it, an all-out brawl breaks out. Now, for whatever reason, the other guys that show up drunk as well side with the a-hole guy, and the five or six of them proceed to you know, knock him unconscious, knock her unconscious. She wakes up to them, or at least the roommate, raping mm. her. Defying um, her, yeah. Yeah. So the, the boyfriend manages to stop it. Um, he kind of tackles the guys and signals to her, get out of here, leave. At which point she leaves, and you're then led to believe that her fleeing that that location led to her dying in the cold barefoot, you know, three to six miles away. Six and miles. then they, they must have done something to him because obviously his body is found later as well. Yeah. Um, so we're then brought back to present day where the head of security or the guy that's, that's at least leading the security force yells to the guy inside the trailer, you know, something along the lines of open the door. It's the FBI. They're standing directly in front of the door, which the uh, sheriff takes as a signal and yells to Elizabeth Olsen, get out of the way which unfortunately she does not recognize in time shotgun shell through the door sends her flying. Um, luckily she's wearing a vest and then all hell breaks loose. Um, gun gunfire from both ends. Everybody's getting shot. You know, people are dying on both sides. Um, but when the dust settles, there is three or four security officers still up and the rest of the sheriff's department is down. Um, also at this point, the roommate, comes out of the, the trailer. He's got a shotgun. And Elizabeth Olsen's character, who, again, had a vest on, pulls her sidearm or attempts to get a weapon from, from on the ground. She stopped. And they don't immediately shoot her. They do instead kind of do some sort of bad guy monologue, um, at which point Jeremy Renner's character, or at which, at which point their head explodes. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, yeah. And Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner's character proceeds to pick them off with his sniper rifle from where he is. Um, the, I, the guy, the, I think a key add on there, right? So mm-hmm. like, again, minimal, minimal, minimal character development other than Elizabeth Olsen, Jeremy Renner, and, and then obviously some add-ins, right? But you were talking about the tension and everything amongst all these people, uh, the sheriff's department and Olsen, and then the, uh, the in, internal security element there at the mm-hmm. uh, at the trailer. There were several of them that had, uh, you know, bruises, black eye, uh, maybe some cuts or whatever. Right. Yeah. Because presumably this brawl that happened, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, Berthal's character was able to get a couple good good hits on them. Yeah. So I, I think that led to. I mean, that immediately led to some 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 questions from Elizabeth Olsen and the sheriff's department. Right there. You know, hey, I like a couple of quick, I don't know, indicator questions, right? Like, oh, what what seemed to happen? Blah blah blah. Right. I think that led to that doubt, the, those the insistence that something was uh something was amiss, right? So I think uh, when she's standing at that trailer and gets blasted off the steps from that shotgun through the door, yeah. And then I believe there was even some type of machine gun fire from inside. Um, yeah, he pulled. That's I actually wrote that down. He pulls out a 50 cal and starts laying into the, where did the 50 cal come from? I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 
it was crazy though because he's like like when she knocks on the door the lead security dude right he kind of steps down the steps and he makes that comment and i mean yeah no clue it was going to play out the way it did but i was like oh something's about to go down because he was like fbi's here right in, uh right in front of your door <laughs> and yeah like, you know, boom right like even uh graham green or whatever his name is he, he called it right like he's like get yeah. out but at that point too late chaos ensues he dies um you know so 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 everybody's dead at this point um the roommate goes into the trailer and is able to kind of hop out the window on the other side and and tries to take off on foot um Jeremy Renner comes down, takes Elizabeth Olsen's character inside, and she makes a comment like, you know, one of them got away. And and he said, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about it. I can, I'll get him or I'll, I'll find him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she also makes another comment about it being a really bad day or a bad chain of events, to which he replies with the following quote, wolves don't kill unlucky deer. They kill the weak ones. And I, I liked that quote. Um, first off, one could argue that wolves, I mean, if, you, if you're a deer and you die at the wolf's hand, you're pretty unlucky. But I like the point, which was, you know, you got to you gotta be strong if you don't want to die. Be strong, hang in there. She says, give me your radio. I'm going to call for a helicopter. You go after the other guy. And he replies with, if I go after him, I'm not bringing him back. She says, I know. Mm-hmm. So he goes after him. Uh, gets the guy, knocks him unconscious, and the the guy comes to, and they are on top of a mountain, basically. Um, he has removed the guy's shoes, he's barefoot, and tells him, I just want to talk. I'm not, I'm not law enforcement. I just want to talk. Um, and he, he essentially gets a confession out of the guy. He says, if you, if you tell me what happened, I'll let you go. And the guy tells him what happened, reluctantly, to which point Jeremy Renner says, cool, you're free to go. And he's like, what do you mean I'm free to go? And he's like, you're free to go. It's about six miles from here to the highway, which is your only hope. And that's exactly how far she ran. You're, you, you're going to do the exact same thing she did. Um, and he doesn't get more than 500 yards before he dies. Um, uh, presumably the same way she did. The, the cold air freezes his lungs and he dies. Um, and then after this, it's it's basically just a quick wrap up. He goes back, tells the father, uh, you know, basically I got him. Don't worry about it. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's really it. It's really the end of the movie right there. I think him and Elizabeth Olsen's character have their normal, you know, ending kind of wrap up. Uh, but uh, any, anything else that you wanted to touch on? No, I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I think. Uh... I can understand why you saw the movie the way maybe as a, a middle of the road movie. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel about Rotten Tomatoes, but eighty-eight percent, right? Which is <laughs> obviously not the highest. I think uh, I think there's some movies out there that have existed in the ninety-five to ninety-nine range. But yeah. so you 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 have you're a listener to the podcast, correct? I mean, I've I've listened to your podcast. Okay, I appreciate not, that. By the way, not all of them, but not uh, all of them. Well, so I've listened to every one of them, just not all of them all the way through, right? Two all the way through. One, uh, I think, was it was the initial one, right? I, I came across and I was like, what? What is Bobby doing? And then I heard your your plugs at the beginning of all of this. And I was like, whoa, this is 
wildly impressive. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, oh, one yes. of the things that you might not have uh, picked up on on the podcast, if you haven't made it all the way through, is we have an ongoing gimmick here uh, called Guess That Tomato, mm. where we ask our, uh, our, <laughs> our, our people who, who are guests to guess the Rotten Tomato score. I already know this. You already know this. Do well, you I mean, know- unless, unless it's changed in like six months, but I doubt it. The the eighty eight score that you're referencing is factual, um, but it's actually the uh, movie critics score. It yeah. is not the audience score. Ninety two or ninety three, right? Usually, ask our guests to to pick the audience score. So, being as you don't have that as readily available in your head uh, as the critic score, let's let's do that first. Let's talk about the Rotten Tomato score. Uh, Matt, do you know what the audience score is? for wind river <sighs> audience score no i do not um i'm gonna go with a. I mean it's definitely higher than the, the critic i'm gonna go i'll go with 93 93 okay the next thing we do is i'm going to tell you three or so movies that are within two points of the audience score so i'm going to give you three examples of movies that are very close to the same score as this movie. And then you'll have an option to uh, change your score if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first movie is uncut gems. Ooh, uh, Adam Sandler. Sandler. I Adam haven't Sandler, seen it. New to new to Netflix. Very popular. Second movie is mortal Kombat legends. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if you've seen, but I mean, clearly the mortal Kombat movies are known for being, high quality great movies that's a that's a cartoon yeah it is a cartoon yes okay very good i'm I'm impressed by your your knowledge of that uh you have kids have you seen the movie missing link no i haven't seen it i have not seen it but obviously i've watched portions of it i think they i think they saw that when i was out of pocket for a bit so okay well i can give you three more popular ones uh shazam spider-man far from home and john wick three Mm. All these movies are within two points of the same score as Wind River. So, Matt, do you want to change your guess? Yes. Okay, you originally said 93. What is your guess now? So you're saying those last three are within two points of it. Correct. Then I'm just going to go with an even 90. Uh, Matt, you are the first guess to get it 100% right. It, the score is 90. Yeah, that's just too many too many audience critics of Spider-Man: Far From Home. I think it was yeah okay. So so the audience scored at ninety, critics scored at eighty-eight. Really good ratings. I mean, for for a movie that did not go wide release, isn't isn't a very well-known movie. Um, to be that high is quite impressive. Yeah, I yeah I mean yeah I don't I I would be surprised. I guess I will. I, I would like to know how many like legitimate audience critiques uh, or or people have went taken time to like review it, right? Because I think I saw some initial IMDb like six or so months ago, and everybody loved it, right? Like underrated film, uh, you know, right up Sheridan's, uh, you know, modern or contemporary western. So I, I'd have to say I did like Hell or High Water more, but I thought overall the plot of this, I, I don't know, right? I gravitated gravitated to this movie more. But I, I think if I had to like sit down and 
If I had to watch one on repeat 30 times, I'm going hell or high water just because of Jeff Bridges and his, you know, delivery and and how he kind of, uh, yeah, and then the uh, just the robbery and Ben Foster. Yeah, I think characters and everything, hell or high water, but plot, for some reason, I don't know if it's just too perfectly simple for me, but I liked it. I liked it a lot, so... Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that you liked about the movie, I thought were also good. Um, I just don't think it saved it enough. And um, I think the uh, oof. I mean, I, I know it's hard to really describe it in a in a small time frame here on a podcast, but man, really, like, if you think about some of the visceral reaction you had to the uh, when the friends piled into the trailer, and mm-hmm. you could see that uh, Bernthal's character like truly cared for her and realized he had put her in jeopardy, right? I think, yeah. There were some things that you you're thinking, no, this guy's like gonna stand up and protect her, but he realized like ultimately by her coming coming there, she he had and hurt him continuing to foster that relationship, even though they cared obviously a lot about each other. Uh and you get in that small snapshot of that uh flashback, you also obviously see a lot of uh his his sadness develop instantaneously, right? Because right. like, oh, you know, what have I done? Like I've I've potentially well, put her in harm's way. So. I mean, he he goes on to survive the attack and become the Punisher. So I mean, it's, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's He's a sequel. Got to fuel that hatred. So, so one of the other things we like to do here is I have five standard questions that I've developed that I like to ask every guest uh, about the movie. Uh, they're the exact same questions I ask every guest, but I believe they apply to every movie differently. So, question number one. Um, what aspect of the storytelling was done right? What aspect was done wrong? And who do you give credit for? So I, I think he did a pretty good job. You let me know if I'm off base here, uh, but I think he did a pretty good job of kind of selling the the uh, what would again I said austere earlier, but I don't think that's necessarily the the word I'm looking for. Uh, he did a good job of selling like the the downtrodden nature or culture that is mm-hmm. on exists on the reservation, um, and uh, you know, and and I think he did that for good reason, right? Like he clearly had a point he was trying to to get across both at the throughout the movie and then at the on at the end of it, right. When he puts some of the facts and figures about crime. So, so funny thing about that is he had some investigators um, or people that worked for him, at least assistants or whatever. He said, go out and find me some statistics about, you know, death and murder on reservations that I can put at the end of the movie. And after some, some looking into, they came back and said, we don't, we don't have any statistics. There, none, none exist. And he said, well, then that's our statistic. Yeah. And that's what he puts at the end is that there is no statistics on um, kidnapping and murder um, for reservation crimes because they just simply don't exist. They're not part of the national um, bank of information. Yeah. So so that resonated with me again, because I, I look at situations like, uh, you know, we're constantly talking about our our kind of our American platform abroad, but I always think about like, well, think about all the things that are just wrong and, and aren't being righted. Uh, and this is one of those things I just feel like people aren't aware of it, whether they have a feeling or a stance on it, you know, the fact that we're, we're just, we're living kind of ignorant to, mm-hmm. to these situations. I think that's the biggest thing that uh, stuck out to me is, you know, so it takes a lot for, you know, obviously his movies have done well, the small snapshot of uh, movies and shows that he's kind of uh, he's written. But the fact that he's taking that platform and and really putting it into existence for people to not only get entertained, but then be educated on the back end. So pretty, pretty uh, significant. But I think one of the things he did, I guess I, I wouldn't even say did 
did poorly, right, is um, or leaves us to really assume a lot and not not know is again what what the FBI's reach or what their true consideration of like uh, you know jurisdictional justice and provision to to these reservations is because obviously that's a problem set, but uh, I now I I've now become potentially like uh, very biased against like our actual assistance to reservations mm-hmm. based movie. When I again, do I know right? Like I haven't taken the time to research, but I imagine like the FBI is a little bit more serving in that capacity because. But again, right? You know, he he's trying to paint a picture. And, so that that was the one thing I like. I was like, okay, I have a feeling Elizabeth Olsen's not rolling up in a Tahoe, right? In sub twenty degree weather. Like I think we got to give to some degree the government apparatus a little more credit for how they're going to treat something. Like that. I, yep, I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> at this point, anything's possible. Exactly. If the last, saying, the last but, few years have taught us anything. It's, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I all I'm saying is it it, it was an easy plug to put this character in there instead of sending like a wild, wildly capable individual in that Tahoe. And, you know, again, that, he, that's how he wrote it. So that's what it is. But you gotta, you gotta think that that then left you to easily assume, Oh, yep. No one cares about the res, you know, like, right. I think he painted some of that. So it's not an accurate portrayal of how it would actually be, hmm. uh, you know, every case is handled. So, but that's just me. Uh, so question number two, what is the biggest unanswered question for you about the movie? And do you think it was done intentionally? Yeah. Jeremy Renner's daughter, right? Um, he yeah. said, I, I, I can't remember who he was talking to. Um, but yeah, he was like, uh, yeah, it was like how, how his daughter died, you know? And it was like, yeah, um, same, right. Oh, did, did she die like Emily? And then she died from the cold and then, I think whoever he was talking to was like, so she died like Emily, right? So yeah. Emily's her daughter. So now we know, like, oh, Emily's out in the cold. Like, did she die? Same thing, barefoot, found in the same type of situation. Right. I mean, or did she run away from home because she couldn't stand it any longer? Did they suppress her, you know, or overparent her, right? Like, maybe he's blaming himself, and we still don't know that. Like, we have no idea. So, again, right, kind of aggravating. Um but yeah, you think it was done intentionally? Oh, absolutely. Right. Like, again, because I think it was like the character that he's, you know, supposed to embody is this like they, they divorced over it. Right. They still had an amenable relationship, but nothing that is going to be, you know, fixed or patched at this point. So like if they had some true closure then it would have left us uh, to assume that, well, okay, why can't you guys come back together and, yeah. and patch things up? Right. So I think, no, I think that was showing, like again, the the hardened hardened life and nature that they that they've come become accustomed to, right? And and it really allowed Jeremy Renner to be who he is, this dude that lives in a shack, a man shack, and he's making his own, you know, ammunition and killing people from afar and making them disappear, right? Like, yeah, he had, um, he had his own version of Punisher ego. So, so you think he transitioned to that type of lifestyle after his daughter or do you think that was always kind of how he was uh no i I think he had that western approach to life very like methodical feet propped up smoking a pipe calculating but 
it wasn't until it, you know, it took the loss of his daughter to harden him to the point of like, you know, not to, Jesus Louise, not to make it sound too, uh, too negative, but to, at the end of the day, like, I don't think he ever, is ever going to see anything as like a, uh, in uh, desirable or successful win state. Right. Like right. he takes out an animal, he's just on to the next hunt. So, you know, like there's never going to be like uh, a time where he hangs his hat on something at this point in life. I mean, he does, he does show a softer side when he has these interactions with his son, which are few and far between in the movie, but you do get this sense that he is, maybe he's putting on a face in front of his son. I mean, clearly somebody who's lost a child, they're going to be very cold and very, um, uh, recluse-esque uh, to the world, but he does have these moments where his son is around and he, he softens up and, and kind of laughs a little bit. And But you do, and this is this plays into Jeremy Renner's acting ability, you do get the sense that it's kind of a, a front he's putting on for his son. Yeah, well, so that's who he was talking to, right? The son's Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I needed you to say son, because that's who he was talking to. Casey asked the very basic question, oh, so he died like, or she died like Emily, mm-hmm. right? And so him having that very transparent and like sobering conversation with his young son, you know, Emily's brother. Right. And him mm-hmm. saying, so she died, you know, like Emily. And he's like, yep. You know, so I just think that shows like the level of like, hey, man, you know, life is going to be difficult. And yeah. uh, the quicker you come to kind of expect that or um, he even when he's talking to uh I don't know if he's telling her the story or alluding to it at that point, but he's talking to her character, Elizabeth uh, Olsen's character. And he's like, you know, we tried to be so careful with our daughter and mm-hmm. um, tried to plan for everything. Right. And she was, she was always good. Uh, but you know, at one point in time, he, he says, I let my guard down. So I think what you're talking about, right. He's no longer going to let his guard down right. like in consideration to a son in consideration to just his life going forward. He he's never going to feel that sense of arrival or emotional release, right? Like he's, nope, I'm going to be Stonewall and I will just, uh, I will exist like this and at least be more content with life and what it brings me. So right. again, just a very, yeah, interesting approach. Uh, next question. Personal connection is important. Was there anything that happened in the movie that reminded you of a real life story that happened to you? No, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I mean, you put it out there, badass. I, there's nothing like even <laughs> close, close to that. Uh, well, you are a father of a daughter. Daughters. Yeah, I, I think daughter. that's. I think that's the biggest thing, though, is right when he's dissecting the situation, and he's looking at things. You know, again, he said it, he just said so many things that I, I feel right. Like, obviously, not with that Wyoming version of justice. Out on and you know in the wild, you know, by no means, right? But a lot of the things he said uh, or, or kind of implied is just generally ha- like how I feel about raising kids, right? And never being vulnerable and never, never letting, you know, never feeling too comfortable with uh, you know your kids and where where they're at in life that you can't. A hundred percent. I mean, and that's that's ultimately the struggle we face as parents, right? You you want to be the protector. It's your job to make sure they are safe um, and provide them an, a place where they can be safe and, and comfortable and, and open and honest and so on. But on the same token, as they grow older, 
um, you do have to allow them to experience the world unfiltered and, you know, uh, come into contact with the things that ultimately they're going to face on a daily basis without you around. Um, so it's a, it's a trade-off at any age, really. Um, it's a trade-off between being the protector and allowing them to scuff the knee and, and, and react on their own. I think the Bernthal thing too, I connected with like, obviously again, right. Very emotional, like antagonizing situation, but just again, I got a good snapshot of how that dude felt like he felt like he did something wrong, but he also like, I think, I think kind of what the parents were alluding to, right? Like you either shelter too much and she doesn't, you know, your daughter or sons, they don't find love or they don't find, you know, inspiration or they don't find that, uh, you know, their first connect point in life where they're really like, I don't know, starting to say, okay, this is, this is my life. Like I, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm, you know, my guiding direction, so to speak. Right. Like, or I'm guiding my own, my own life direction. So I, you know, I think he, again, that, that situation in itself, I was like, I was able to connect with like no way, no shape, like in, in no way would I allow this. I will go down swinging, right? Like before uh, I allow some kind of, you know, some kind of crime or criminal action against someone that I care about, right? So it's just that's that's what I got from that situation is like, uh, he, you know, whether he loved her or whether right or wrong or indifferent, right? He he was willing to lay his life on the line, and he did. So yeah. Um, number four. What is the most important sequence in the movie? Hmm. Oh, I don't know, man. That's, that's a tough one. Cause I think this, I think a lot of people called it what a slow burn, right? Like, a, yeah. So it's like to say any, like each sequence. I mean, I, I guess if you're talking about culminating like sequence, right. It's the time they showed up and kind of did their gun down on each other initially. Right. They're, they, they all drew from their holsters. They're all, you know, and then they deescalate. But, I think the viewer still knows something's going to go down. Uh, mm-hmm. even, right. So that's the most important sequence uh, as far as like just perpetuating the end state. But I, I really do think um, the most significant piece was the beginning of the film where you're kind of the parts you described, right. Of Jeremy Renner hunting, Jeremy Renner loading. Like, I don't know, man, that was like, they could have played like a, they could have had no dialogue and just a whiny Western song, but you still <laughs> would have known, you know, you would have been like, Oh, there's my John Wayne of the movie. Right. And this is the character development. So. Yeah. I, I mean, at the, at the point where you're seeing him make his own ammunition, you're like, well, yeah, of course he does. Like, yeah, of course yeah. he makes his own ammunition. Yeah. So I, I yeah, but yeah, I, I guess I'm going to go with the simple answer of the, the gun down situation, right? Like the, the high noon, everybody's tense. And then, I mean, and all hell breaks loose, right? Um, because that was that was needed, right, to to really show Renner's final uh, culminating point as a character. So nice. And then my final question: uh, If you could recast two roles in the film, what roles would they be? Who would you recast in them, and why? Okay, so I'm going to keep it easy, Oof. fairly easy, um, and just go with the two main characters. Okay. Because I don't really feel like, you know, 
I could go even easier and say, hey, take the reservation sheriff off or take one of the oil pipeline dudes and put Sheridan in there, right? Because he's played a cop, he's played a sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Simple fix. But no, if I had to like recast, I mean, the two main characters that like the or or for the movie. Yeah, I and, mean they they really are the only two characters in the movie. I mean, obviously there is at least a dozen other characters, but as far as screen time goes, these two are 90% of the movie. Yeah. So that's why I would say like that question, I'm not doing you any justice unless I, no, you're fine. Unless I cast those two, because it's a pointless question. If not, uh, I'm going to go Michelle Monaghan, uh, instead of Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, okay. I know that's a throw. She's usually a rom-com, but, uh, or, no, no. I backtrack. Rachel McAdams. I feel like Rachel. Rachel Mc... McAdams. <laughs> I feel That's... like she can. I feel like she is a version of Elizabeth Olsen, Emily Blunt. And I know that's hard. Like, but there's, yeah, she can put her hair up. She can be a, an FBI agent of sorts. Uh, same thing, right? Like, again, if we're talking about matching qualities of 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 uh, actress, right? Um, that's who I think you're going to get a very, I don't want to say similar performance, but you can, you can draw from her. And then I, yeah, I don't know if I had to do a Jeremy Renner replacement in this, I would go with someone kind of, uh, I guess abstract or uh, not common, like not well known. I honestly, because we talked about it, I, I keep going back to him, but I don't know how well he would do in this, this role. But like, I, I, I see Charlie Hunnam in a version of this. Yeah, I could. It's a, it's a good pick, actually. I could totally see him um, playing Jeremy Renner's character. I think yeah. he has that same kind of cold, you know, um, type of demeanor he could pull off. I don't know if I agree with Rachel McAdams. She's not an action person. I mean, she she has some action in her with Sherlock Holmes movies and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think I, honestly, I, I I don't know. I don't know if I would recast. I think. The, the the two that that uh, um, Elizabeth Olsen and Jeremy Renner play their parts pretty perfectly. Um, like we said, Jeremy Renner is playing the same guy he always does, but he plays this guy very well. And Elizabeth Olsen has a phenomenal way of walking between the um, attractive, sexy female lead and the hardened badass. I mean, she she again she portrays the green. FBI agent who's really trying to do her job. You don't get the sense that she's just like, Oh, I'm new and somebody's got to help me. It's like, no, I'm new, but I'm going to figure it out, you know, and, and I'm going to get the job done, mm-hmm. um, which I think is hard to pull off. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people in her age range that have her, her range of portrayal. Right. Uh, she does seem kind of like overly solemn though. So that's why I was saying like, if you, I mean, even if you inject a little more upbeat, you know, like promising, like return, I think you still get a decent movie. And it's like, oh, okay, this this person is like proactive. They feel like, you know, they can do some good here. They can do some justice with her. I just was like the whole time. I'm like, does she actually think she's doing any good? I, I don't know. You know, so, um, but, you know, again, right. Very unassuming uh, portrayal or just. It was like she was there. She was learning and absorbing so much. So, yeah, I, I don't know that uh, I can really think of any actress that's going to step into that role and, and do it the same uh, or deliver the same kind of 
uh, results. Yeah, um, well put. So Wind River, um, it comes out in 2017. It's got a budget of $11 million. Uh, it makes $45 million at the box office, which is insane. Uh, for a movie to do um, even double uh, its budget is considered a success, and this one went on to do four times its budget. So um, really successful movie. Um, it comes out August of 2017, or excuse me, uh, technically it comes out in January, um, but it gets re-released in August because um, the post Sundance um, limited release. Um, it, overall, pretty decent movie. I, I say if you got some time and you want to watch something that I don't think requires a hundred percent of your attention, this is a good movie to to fill that void. Yeah. Yep. Um, one last thing, Matt, before we before we sign off here, it is a strong belief of the owners of Don't Forget a Towel that everybody geeks out on something. Uh, it might not always be comic books and movies. It could be your own personal geeky thing. So we ask everybody on our podcast, Matt, what are you geeking out on right now? Oh, man. It's, unfortunately, um, it's a, it's an easy pick, man. I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out on comics. I'm geeking out on the the Marvel, uh, the continuation of the Marvel uh, universe, right? So uh, that's... So that's... W- when you say comics, are you referring to the comic book movies or are you actually reading the comic books? Uh, no, I'm all, I'm off the comic books. Um, I'm geeking out just on the movies, right? And uh, I think uh, I think I left comics behind like two or three years ago. I was reading some of the graphic novels and stuff and trying to see where they may go forward. But uh, there's too many spins, spinoffs. There's too many interdimensional or dimensional like uh new new things so i i can't keep up with everything so especially with three kids man but uh yeah i'm excited because i mean just depending on like we're we're watching them you know we've watched the onset of the marvel universe what they've been around for uh, I 10, to, 10 years now 23 movies yeah so we're i mean you know by the time my kids are like teenagers and blu-ray and 4k and that and that's all antiquated you know, and they're watching some type of palm portable VR <laughs> holographic design. Yeah, yeah holographic. But either way, I, I, I mean, again, it's a, uh, it's hard not to kind of nerd out on that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, man, that's where I'm at. And I'm geeking so, out on, I'm geeking out on superfood. Superfood. So be- before I have questions about superfood, but before we get to that, what is your favorite Marvel movie? Have you seen them all? All the main ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even to the point on my last appointment, I think I watched them all. We watched them all in order. Wow. Yeah. Release order or cinematic order? Cinematic order. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very very interesting. What yeah. is your favorite? I don't I don't, I don't know if I can I don't know if I'm able to answer that question. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Who's your favorite character? I love Thor Ragnarok, honestly. It's, it's... really that's <laughs> that's an interesting pick. I'm sure we'll have some comments uh, from the from the listeners on on that pick. That's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I, everybody has their own. I'm I'm personally a fan of some of the movies that that some of the fans uh, weren't weren't big on, um, but Ragnarok is is arguably lower on most lists. So that's an interesting pick. Um, so tell me, what is Superfood? Go ahead, give, give me your plug. Okay, so Superfood, not necessarily, you, 
Zach Efron. You've seen his new show? I have not. On Netflix. Okay, well, you know, everybody's everybody uh, down to earth or whatever it's called, right? Um, he's touring or has already, right? These shows were already filmed, but uh, touring uh, locations all around the world um, concerning kind of a holistic societal, uh, you know, geez, healthy, healthy living, healthy uh, returns to the earth, healthy returns to, you know, wherever these people live, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, and getting away from fossil fuels and getting away from processed foods and getting, you know, just healthy life, right? Uh, and they have that, they have that ability. Netflix, you know, it's like Zac Efron, you're attractive. We're going to give you the, the dude that got him in shape is the dude that came up with Shakeology, right? Uh, Darren Olean, right? Uh, formulator of Shakeology. So this dude uh, has a has a pretty good book. Um, I think I'm calling it Superfood, but uh, let me see what his book is. I call it Superfood, but that's what I'm reading, right? Uh, I highly recommend if you're just kind of curious about, um, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to say like pro healthy lifestyle. He can give you a lot of things to consider just in the food you're eating, how, how your body responds. Um, obviously 34 years old and the Marine Corps still requiring me to do a couple of things that are, are considered active. Uh, <laughs> so because of that, you know, like I just, I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, sorry. His book is super life, but it's based off of again, whole concept. So a little foreign to me, uh, a little, uh, I mean, he get he 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 approaches veganism from a different mindset, right? Like we shouldn't mm-hmm. be eating meat because animals and you know, I don't know coexistence and all that. So that's a little outside my frame of work, but uh, or in my thought processes. But uh, I, I I do highly recommend it just uh, from an enlightened standpoint. So you know, if you're thinking about putting a donut in your mouth, he he'll he'll kind of give you some new thoughts on that, right? Uh, Interesting. But, yeah, I guess that's a more that's a better answer than saying I'm geeking out on the the Marvel universe and its continuation. That's an easy that's an easy answer. So, no, I like both answers, man. Super life, man. Five forces that'll make you healthy. So, there you go. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me about this, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I think uh, I think ultimately this was a at least a B B plus movie, but uh, it sounds like it was more middle of the road for you. So. Well, thanks for sharing it with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I got to turn on the fan. You got to turn what? What did you say? I got to turn on the fan. It's a little warm. Yes, California weather. California, and then then what's the plan for that? What do you want to do? Um, I don't know. Well, yes, it's all for the best. No, baby, I'm on the computer. I love you. I, love you. I like the. Oh, that's my daughter, the seven year old. Oh.